Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hey. 
As Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, hello there, and many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. That's not a point of view. It is just the truth. I got a sheet that says it and everything. Anyway, welcome to Favorite Points of View. This show is a part of the Force Center podcast feed, and here on Force Center, we like to celebrate Star Wars, and with me to celebrate is Ken Knapsack. If it's on the outline, it is you. It is real. I can have such indeed. It says it there too. I almost just started the show with an existential crisis of like, is my name a point of view? I do exist, right? I do. I do. I've seen photos. You know, as someone who was recently rejected for that coveted blue check mark, which I was anticipating the rejection, obviously, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a funny process right now. I don't know who I am either. Like, do I count, Joseph? Do I count? Do I exist? <laughs> Well, I, I got a, a blue check mark back in the day when they were uh, handing them out much more easily. And uh, I wake up wondering, like, what happens if the blue check mark goes away? Is that a sign that I'm like fading away? Is it uh, back to the future time travel? <laughs> Am I disappearing from the photo? <laughs> it's a funny, funny thing in a funny world. But yes, exactly. It is a funny world. We try to have some fun within this funny world. And that's really what this uh, favorite points of view show is about. We ask different people, uh, different listeners, their favorite of something in Star Wars. And we get to hear not only what it is, but oftentimes why. And it lets us have a more appreciation for just the variety of things to love in Star Wars. And a lot of times that uh, we don't just love things randomly, that there's often a reason because of who we are or when we first encountered Star Wars, encountered Star Wars. And it's just a great way to celebrate all that. Uh, this episode, we asked people about the Star Wars outfits, costumes, fashions that mean the most to them and why. Uh, we had to break this into two episodes because we got a lot of great feedback uh, from our patrons. So if you want to check out the previous episode, you can do that. But for now, you're listening to this one. Why go anywhere? This is an opportunity, Ken. Yeah. I said this on the last episode for us to celebrate the work of the costume designers whose names are known, but sometimes not as celebrated as the Ben Burtz or the John Williams. So we're talking about, uh, you know, John Molo, the original designer. Um, Milo Rodias Gemero, who did the designs for Return of the Jedi. Trisha Begar, who uh, featured on all those uh, great uh, behind the scenes of the prequels where we mm -hmm. learned all about the different costume design. Uh, Michael Kaplan from the sequel trilogy. And then on Solo and Rogue One, Dave Crossman and Glenn Dillon. And then, of course, you have all the other animated show designers, uh, comic book artists and different people who have just created the look of Star Wars. They've, they've absolutely created this uh, galaxy, the one we like to roam around with in and buy in gift shops. <laughs> nice outfit. Looks great. I would like to buy the outfit and an action figure of the person uh, wearing the outfit and maybe someday an action figure of the designer themselves. If I could buy a John Molo action figure, I absolutely would. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, as we're starting this episode, I'm looking across at a, at a Black Series Rebels, uh, Black Series Rebels, uh, shout out to Stephen Knox, uh, Black Series Hasbro <laughs> Stitch, uh, Princess Leia Combat Poncho, right? And, and I was looking at it as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, someone came up with that. The simplest, coolest thing uh, in Endor. I just love it. It's been my favorite figure, been one of my favorite Leia looks. And like, yeah, someone was like, what shall we do with this warrior princess down on the forest floor? Yeah, I know. You like um, hear those stories of like uh, Mark Hamill suggesting that that Luke looked like uh, something out of Mad Max in Return of the Jedi because he's been fighting, you know, and, and you remember you imagine an image like that compared to Luke in Return of the Jedi and imagine like how big a difference that these choices that the uh, designers come up with and that the creators make that, that truly change the nature of the thing. Right. Uh, indoor Absolutely. ponchos don't grow on trees. Somebody made that decision. Yes. Yes. 
and we celebrate that. To celebrate that, we're going to get into this. We'll take turns uh, reading these great entries. I'm going to read the, the first one here. This comes to us, Ken, from Justin Jacobson, short and sweet. Uh, mm. Justin says, I like the uniform uniform of the central isopter cultists of, on Jeddah in Rogue One. Their helmet and striped robe look like some kind of cocoon that will open into a terrifying butterfly. <laughs> I like leading with horror. That's awesome uh, to say. This, this design is my favorite because it's uh, successfully frightening. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking of Iron Butterfly, White Room, Black Curtain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, I, I did have to do, I just had to do a remind of myself. And these are spectacular outfits the 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 face apparatus if you will uh stands out uh this is a this is a great choice here to start us off yeah now do you uh where did you encounter this one first did you actually see it in the film or did you see it in a book i think it was more in a book uh i I, or maybe even something that came out before not not the teaser i don't know it's 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 sometimes hard to remember you know do you get a trading card or a box of cereal or a bag of oranges with something on it that you're uh keen to look (laughs) look for and i think there might have been or or, you know magazines of you know a, a vanity fair picture in the background you see them so i think i was anticipating uh seeing these uh uh, fine folks, uh, the death worshiping cult uh, in Rogue One, and so they did kind of stand out, and they and they and they they really have that Star Wars feel. They, they could go anyway, bounty hunter, rogue Jedi, rogue Sith, uh, or death worshiping cult. Yeah, no, I mean Rogue One in Solo, I think in particular. Uh, not that the other films aren't this, but they're really rich in the the background characters that you mm-hmm. only see for a second. Um, and can really appreciate more in books and comics. I forgot that these are the characters who feature so prominently in that Star Wars arc where uh, Luke goes to Jeddah, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and this design is amazing. Yeah, the I think what's kind of unique about it is how incredibly connected the mask and the robes are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the robes are wrapped differently. We've seen many a robe in Star Wars, but the fact that, uh, as Justin says, these are wrapped like a cocoon. <laughs> and yeah. You really are like, are you turning into like uh, Godzilla under there? What's what? <laughs> what yeah. might possibly come out of there? And yeah, and I love that the masks they have like a little bit of synergy. I think with the Guavian Death Gang with that kind of central mm-hmm. eye, so it, it looks like something that could have evolved in the galaxy lots of different ways and yet it's still entirely its own all these great yellow and brown and black and more than anything ken this is the weird thing for me uh, i'm looking at these pictures they remind me of some of the weirder hotel carpets that you find at big conventions that okay that's crazy i i, I had not i did not have that thought in my mind but the moment you start open your mouth and you i was like like hotels <laughs> they look like a nice <laughs> a nice uh high-end regency in seattle or something yeah, so it's not, you know, like too crazy, but it's distinctive enough. There are people like, oh, yeah. And like I've gone to enough conventions now that have a relationship with the carpet. Like there are a couple of hotels uh, associated with Dragon Con uh, and mm-hmm. the one uh, that has hosted uh, the Doctor Who convention Gallifrey One in Los Angeles for years where like people will cosplay as the carpet or like I'm a Dalek, but I'm also the carpet. <laughs> right. <laughs> that they yeah. become so such a defining thing. Uh, mm. one of those, uh, carpets was featured in Loki from one of the Dragon Con hotels, uh, in a recent episode. So that's part of why it's on my mind, awesome. but it's just like, yeah, man, this is so great. If these were like a, a little bit more of a major character and there were action figures of this, we'd have bed sheets that look like this. 
I, I love your connection to the uh, the sense memory of of all things at conventions, which are strong. Uh, I looked at this and I was like, "Welcome to Scottsdale, sir. Here's your key." That uh, <laughs> is 11 a.m. Uh, and this is that's a but that's a great visual. It's it's true and it's a great color scheme. It's it's uh, it is it works. And again, this magical. It's so Star Wars. The thing we sometimes can't fully explain, but they got it. But they got it. I think it's it's for me. It's the old and the new. It's that that helmet looks like. Yeah, we've seen things kind of like that. So it feels like we're in the galaxy. But that robe, the way it looks like, it's going to explode, and bats are going to come out. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Oh, go, go for it. No, no, sorry. I just did. Uh, I scrolled. I scrolled down. Now, now my memory jogged of where we kind of first saw it, it was the celebration reel uh, at Celebration Europe that that was July 2016 getting us ready for Rogue One. There was a lot of behind the scenes stuff and that kind of then went public. And that's where they first really made the, the appearance. And so then you were kind of keyed up. You were ready to look in the background and find them. Oh, yeah. This kind of this main picture of the three of them huddled together. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think my, my final thought uh, on Hotel Carpets, which is exactly what this podcast is supposed to be about, is <laughs> yeah. I think a part of their power for me is, you know, obviously do a lot of walking at a convention. But for me, I end up spending lots of time backstage for texts or before shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I have a, a very strong association with, uh, is this a fun carpet to pace on during a tech or before a show? <laughs> <laughs> and I would love uh, to pace on top of these characters before doing some stand-up. Uh, conventions carpet ranked coming soon. Maybe our Patreon page. I think that'd be great. For you. That seems like a Patreon episode for sure. <laughs> All right. Great thought, Justin, and great, uh, great deep cut as a great yeah. opportunity for us to, to really look at and celebrate a character that I've seen, but I haven't really focused on. So thank you so much, Justin. Uh, yeah. Ken, do you want to take the next one? Absolutely. What we love to do here is just that, what you described. Now, number two comes from our buddy outlaw, Adam Knight. He had a great, uh, little personal essay he uh, let us share uh, on a recent Force Center episode with questions. Uh, He writes this, while my first instinct is to just shout out my earliest Halloween memory, dressing up as Luke from A New Hope, it behooves me to let my age and wisdom skim through all the Star Wars I have consumed. As such, I've got to give the nod to Cad Bane. Yes, in addition to Star Wars, I have a very strong spaghetti Western love. While I don't cosplay per se in my other job, I wear a lot of hats and vests and occasionally some long cloaks, dusters, and chaps. Ah, the wonderful world of professional wrestling. I added that sentence. As such, the Cad Bane look and vibe just feels exactly right to me, melding two of my favorite things together in a way that is frankly 100% what Star Wars is to me. That's a powerful sentence to end with, Joseph, just uh, how we love attaching a, a uh, so much to these things in Star Wars we love. Let's talk about Cad Bane and spaghetti Western of it all. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about this uh, before, about how much Cad Bane is just going for it, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes Star Wars will be like, ooh, interesting. That has a slight touch of this genre. <laughs> and Cad Bane stole a big chunk of the genre on a job and said, nope, this is mine. <laughs> Uh, but I yeah. think what really, what really works for me about Cad Bane's outfit is, again, it's got that balance of the old in the new because the or or the uh, uh familiar and the exotic uh put it that way i like that i don't think cad bane would work as well for me if he did not have those incredibly prominent tubes right yes the the weird face neck tubes because it is such a visual contrast with the hat and the duster, right? And like the hat and the duster are what really make it. There's no ambiguity. This is 
uh, this is a Western Duros, right? <laughs> this is a Duros who uh, who really enjoys the film Rio Bravo. Like, there's yeah. no doubt about it. But those tubes make it like, yeah, it, but it's that genre through the filter of this uniquely Star Wars uh, aesthetic. So it's not just mm-hmm. the Western, it's the Western uh, through the filter of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it, and I think you're really right, because as I've said before in other episodes, so... We'll go too deep. I, I'm still shocked. Cabane worked for me, and I'm and I'm a I'm not a spaghetti western lover in the sense of a, of a rolodex of all the spaghetti westerns that I love and watch. But I'm a Tombstone, Young Guns, late '80s, early '90s <laughs> popcorn western kind of guy. And and my pro wrestling gimmick had involved a cowboy hat for many many years. Uh, I, I so I, I I I have an affinity for them, I guess. Uh, but it shouldn't work for me. And it does. And I think you're really focusing on that micro detail that just goes, yep, but it's Star Wars. It's this thing, but those tubes and this guy and this voice, it's Star Wars. So you're, you're drawn away from the uh, overt homage to, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood and a toothpick. Yeah. I mean, in the toothpick there, I love that the toothpick is just a toothpick because we could have made it some sort of like hydro toothpick or some sort of, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is an e-web repeating yeah. toothpick, uh, get it explained yeah. to us. Um, but yeah, I think also the, uh, another big prominent thing, uh, so like you got the tubes to offset the hat. Yeah. And then that the, the duster, the long jacket, right? Uh, which is yeah. really cool and just does speak to that. Like the the wind is whistling during a duel and it flaps mm. a little bit and it's just mm. who it, it cuts a, a mean figure and what what all is in there and what all is it concealing, all that great stuff going on. But when you look at the jacket, you can't really see the jacket without seeing the big uh, tech on his wrist. Mm. Yes. So there's yeah. a great, uh, another great uh, balancing moment there. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that balance, that, that's part of, yeah, I think you're touching on a key ingredient and I love, uh, Adam just describing, you know, Hey, these two things that I love mash together and they work so well. And, 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 and there's so much to the success of the character beyond the look, but it, without it out starts with the look and it, it begins there and they're, they're basically, you know, Hey, here's what you got. And even now the, up, the, the slightly updated version in bad batch and, and now he's, you know, tapping the bullets on his belt like he's waiting for marty mcfly to meet him in the center of the town square there um, <laughs> it, in my mind it, those things don't necessarily work for me but they all add up and it's those little details great call great pull yeah yeah and i mean i i like how uh adam shares that this is not only something that he likes aesthetically but he has he has mm-hmm. worn some of these things yeah. and you know it's just a power to um the clothes uh, make the mood of yeah. we know that feeling of um, th- like, I, I so appreciate that from being a performer and being able to wear costumes, uh, uh, how much uh, they change your mood or your flow. Um, like uh, even in sketches where I've got to, you know, play a Jedi for comedy, the hood up and flipping the hood down. It just, you know, it makes you feel that mood of like, I'm calm. I'm peaceful. Now I'm here to present something and dressing up with Cad Bane, like uh, Cad Bane or not even Cad Bane, but just dressing up in this Western style makes you feel like, yep, I'm the law in town. And if there's a problem, I'll move my duster back and I'll show you I'm packing. (laughs) Just puts you in that mood, right? It does. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) absolutely great one. Any other uh, Cad Bane uh, thoughts for you, Ken? 
no, I'm just questioning why I don't have a lot of Cad Bane merch. Because in the end, he, be, he definitely became one of my favorite characters. Uh, it still is for sure. But uh, don't have don't I need some Cad Bane merch. I'll, I'll get I have some more shelf room now. I'll get a Cad Bane. I'll get that exclusive one they release. Yeah, I think they'll ge- be releasing uh, some some Cad Bane from Bad Batch stuff. You know, yeah. probably here. Uh, I did look after he showed up, and we're all so excited and really enjoying his character and what it means. I did uh, look up that his main Clone Wars figure, and I always forget that it is uh, it is not friendly to collectors who uh, don't open because he doesn't have his hat on. He comes with his hat. Right. <laughs> but the action figure looks like it, this is Embo just after another sharpshooter shot his hat off. <laughs> and awesome. you get to see his, his very blue head. That's dangerous, man. Forcing collectors to take him out of the box. I know. I know. I got to I gotta have a duel with myself if I ever get that Cad Bane. Whether or not I'm going to keep him in the package. Great thoughts, Adam. We'll move on to our next entry from Will Dixon. Will says, I am torn between Embo in the Crimson Corsair. Oh, what a great place to be, I think. Uh, uh, Will continues, but I'll give the nod to Embo. He has that Chambara aesthetic without looking too earthly samurai. He is a space samurai. The combination of his eyes, that magical hat, and his blended monk bounty hunter garb does it for me. I like the nod to the traditional samurai wear with the metal chest and shoulder plate paired with a Hakama-looking skirt and bandolier. It doesn't hurt that he has an Anuba animal companion either. I could go on, but you get the point. He's awesome. Mm. (laughs) Uh, That is a good Force Center shirt. I could go on, but you get the point. It's (laughs) awesome. Uh, Great entry, Will. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts? Uh, Embo is close to my heart. What are are your Embo thoughts and and particularly the way that uh, Will is describing him? Yeah, it, it really does work. It's it, it, it's not that it's just you know, similar to, to Cad Bane, but it, it's it's clearly part of what I think the Clone Wars does so well is we all know some of the influences of Star Wars, uh, George uh, specifically, and it's like let's let's put them all in here and really just kind of make them work. So we're not we're not just going swiping different looks. We're having meaning. We're putting stuff behind it. Therefore, connects to those that love this, uh, uh, love these, you know, now we're, we're talking Westerns, we're talking Samurai wear. I, and, and I think Embo stands out for that reason. And, and and there's such mystery behind him and that design, whereas like Cad Bane, eh, sure, there's mystery. We don't know where he went to elementary school, but Embo to me, still, you look at him, you don't, you, you don't know anything about him, yet you know everything you need in the look, feel, uh, the ad- attitude, the atmosphere. Uh, so I, I, I know Embo is tops on your list, so I definitely want to concede the floor, but <laughs> Embo, Embo works so well. Again, and this is before Constable Zuvio, right? <laughs> yes. I look, I, I've got a picture up right now. I'm looking at Embo, and I'm like, f- there's a point, a point in my Star Wars life where I would have been like, I don't think so. And then it, it yet. Now I look at it and it just feels so right uh, for the Clone Wars, for Star Wars, and uh, for this character. So, cheers, Dembo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Will is breaking it down with a uh, more knowledge and in, in detail than I have. But I think what I really uh, like about Embo's look and his his genesis, like he was introduced in this uh, episode that was in homage to Kurosawa. So mm-hmm. obviously, samurai elements in in uh, Kurosawa in particular are, are a big part of Star Wars, but I really like that his genesis is coming from like a really specific respect of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these design ideas, a lot of these uh, conceptual and, and moral ideas, even uh, from what's in the the episode Bounty Hunters that's pulled from 
uh, Kurosawa. So it all makes sense. His genesis makes sense. And I think for me, I think I've said this before, like when I was first watching Clone Wars and was like, wow, this is uh, even better than uh, than people told me. Uh, mm-hmm. When I got to the Bounty Hunters episode, I really loved the episode, but I was really drawn to Embo because there is this um, design evolution in Star Wars that uh, because there isn't a lot of um, CGI, uh, Bounty Hunters look kind of a, a certain way and, and just kind of the, the scum of the galaxy mm-hmm. <laughs> in, uh, in Jabba's palace, that there's right. a certain aesthetic of there's definitely some some goony people, right? Uh, there's definitely their Hermiotals uh, in the background. But the ones that I concentrated on growing up in the original trilogy era were the badasses, the ones who are your sort of like, I'm drawn to them because I kind of am afraid of them and I want to be them. <laughs> like, I don't want to meet Boba Fett in a dark alley. I want to be Boba Fett in a dark alley and just and be cool. That's so cool. Uh, <laughs> and then the prequel trilogy comes along and the vision of what the Star Wars palette looks like expands so much and includes lots of different shapes and sizes because of, you know, not that there weren't some different shapes and sizes, but shapes and sizes that can only be generated in a computer. Um, You know, uh, Ben Quadraneros, that kind of thing. Um, And then the Clone Wars comes out and it's got a lot of that, that prequel aesthetic of that different design, sometimes a little bit more playful or, or uh, silly aspect to it uh and then embo comes along and he's got some of that aesthetic of of the prequel era star wars but i can just see him standing right next to the original bounty hunters Mm -hmm. getting orders to go hunt han solo from vader i can see him standing right in between dengar and ig88 (laughs) and really making dengar look even shabbier (laughs) Dengar being really upset about it. Yeah, yeah. No, no offense to Dengar lovers. I love Dengar, but uh, and he's half badass and half. Uh, you had a rough morning, didn't you, Dengar? <laughs> um, and that's his charm. But Embo just looks hauntingly cool. He is mm. utterly of the time that he was designed, the episode that he was introduced in. But there's something about him to me that looks like he is just kind of like in the middle of the circle of all the different eras of Star Wars. Venn diagram design like embos in the center for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love those thoughts there. And you you said something that made me just uh, think to, I know we're talking outfits and uh, costume uh, designs mostly here, but also just character design. And I know you got a lot of design uh, skills in your background too, Joseph, but the, 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 the old shadow test stuff of the shapes of characters. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that I think the prequels did too, because they weren't uh, beholden to uh, humans playing the actors or just, uh, you know, some bulky costumes that hopefully worked for Phil Tippett. Like and <laughs> the original trilogy pulled off amazing things. I think everyone knows that. And, and Jabba is certainly his own shape and, and uh, shadow. Um, Absolutely. Yes. But you know what I mean? Like you mentioned Quadranaus, but there's just a lot of, they were able to do that kind of classic design thing of just take away the details. What is the shape of the character? And then trans, translate to, that to the Clone Wars, Cad Bane and Embo both come along and they're so unique in terms of just the shadow they cast up against the wall. Uh, but yet they they fill in those fine details with uh, the Star Wars we know and love. And that's that stands out over and over. Yeah, yeah. And I think my my, my final Embo thought, which uh, which Will touches on really well here, is about the uh, the cool hat, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think he also just sort of uh, 
fulfilled the the promise of the premise of like when Empire Strikes Back came out and the bounty hunters mostly just stood there being <laughs> unbelievably cool in a business meeting. It was this flight of fantasy of you have the action figures and you have to make up what their different blasters do or is there any what other hidden tech might be in Dengar's armor or what can fold out of IG-88. You just got to imagine it. And here comes Embo and he looks cool and you feel like, oh, wow, I wonder what he does with that hat. Damn. <laughs> Here's what he does with the hat. And you you get to see it in action is, you know, yeah. a, a shield and a throwing device and a, a, a sledding device in one of the later Clone Wars episodes. And uh, yeah, it just... It, there's a reason I think that that some of us kind of uh, drool over Embo uh, because he he fulfills so many ideas of bounty hunters as well as being you know having this sort of uh, ambiguity to his moral code in a great interesting way. Yeah, hail Embo, hail Embo. Uh, so yeah, great outfit, great character. Thank you for sharing that. Well, can you have any other Embo thoughts you wanted to share? Uh, no, not yet. I guess another figure I'm going to have to add to the collection. <laughs> very, oh. very happy to have, have this one. Uh, he, he's sitting right next to uh, uh, Clone Wars Kenobi, and maybe they're going to have a fight someday. We'll see. Right now they've been getting along. It's great. Uh, do you want to read our next entry? Love to. This is from David uh, Litchfeld. Uh, uh, David writes, my granddad was a huge UK wrestling fan. And one of the many times we watched Return of the Jedi together, he would point out that the Gamorrean guards were dressed exactly like one of his favorite wrestlers, the great giant Haystacks. I still think of Mr. Haystacks when I watch those scenes in Jabba's palace. Unfortunately, my granddad passed away a number of years ago, but I'm sure we, he would have got a real kick out of seeing the Gamorrean guards, albeit far less Haystacks like, actually in a wrestling ring in the Mandalorian. Now my memory and probably my granddad's memory at the time, giant haystacks is always wearing an exact replica of the Gamorrean guard costume. But a quick Google search shows that through the haze of my memory, we're not entirely right. In reality, giant haystacks costume will uh, still pretty star Wars. He only has a passing resemblance to Jabba's guards, but it doesn't really matter to me. The Gamorrean guards and giant haystacks will be forever intertwined. Love this. This is some old school wrestling history, Joseph. This is uh and I'm, I've got pictures up, too, to remind me of myself, the late great giant haystacks. And, yeah, there's some fur vest type of stuff going on with giant haystacks that is not unlike the Gamorrean guards. Not unlike. Okay, yeah, I'm pulling them up because I am not familiar. Oh, yeah, damn. Okay, I can see it. Yeah, uh, uh, the late giant haystacks was billed at about 6'11", 685 pounds. Uh, wrestling does have a tendency to exaggerate some of those sizes, but... He was a big gentleman, and I could totally see this. If someone told me that as a kid, um, you know, not just giant haystacks, but any kind of, oh, that Grimoire guard looks like this. I, it would, yeah, it would be part of my uh, uh, memory. It would be part of the experience and hard to separate it. And then to come back and, and actually get Gamorrean guards in a wrestling ring, uh, and, uh, and David's <laughs> referencing the slimmer nature of the Gamorrean guards in the Mandalorian, which has been talked about a lot, which just because they're burning calories fighting each other more. makes sense. <laughs> uh, it all works for me. I love, and, you know, again, for me, you know, my love and involvement with professional wrestling uh, is, is, is I love what it can get represented in Star Wars in weird ways like this. And I do think a Gamorrean guard, and I'm sure there's probably some weird wrestling event where an indie show or something where someone probably did wrestle as a Gamorrean guard. You can find that kind of stuff. Our, my pal Frankie Kazarian once wrestled, I think is Vader, a stormtrooper. There's video of that out there too. So it all, it all is all connected, Joseph. It's all connected. 
Absolutely. And uh, there's that old game, the uh, Masters of Terrace of course, referenced yes. in uh, in Solo, where I believe it, it was just a, it was Mortal Kombat for Star Wars. Right. And there's a yes. Gamorrean guard you could fight in Masters of Terrace I'm trying to look up his name, but you got to be in the arena with that Gamorrean guard. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Inspiration this is, all around. This is so great because I think sometimes uh, Thok, mm-hmm. <laughs> Thok is who you uh, you fought. That's right. Uh, in a Tuscan Raider named Hur, which is was a choice. Um, yeah, there's so many different like aesthetics that that Star Wars can bring out as we're talking about with the Western and the Samurai with the last two characters we talked about, and mm. I think it's really fun that. Um, the aesthetic can sometimes be like, oh, yes, the, the, let's all here. Here's the list of exactly how it's Western or Samurai. But then something like this, it's almost coming a little more from personal memory and personal experience mm-hmm. and personal connection to that wrestler. Right. And it's just yeah. another great example of just uh, how how we can all put uh, Star Wars through our own filter and, and have it bring us a specific kind of joy. Yeah, indeed. And it's funny, I'm pulling up um, Grimorian guard images as, as well, because I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Dave, but we're, in, in, in your head, you're thinking Haystacks had that big furry vest and that's what the Grimorian guard had. But no, he actually had uh, furry pants on. <laughs> furry. <laughs> uh, squirt? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, but it's all connected in the memories and the memories uh, fill in those little uh, details for us as Star Wars fans. Uh, that's part of the joy, part of the experience and part of the fun of looking back. And, and Gamorrean guards are so memorable anyways. I mean, I had quite a reaction to him as a kid. I mean, and I, I mean, I, I, I go on this often, Joseph, like I can get so, you know, years just going Jackson, the, the, the robot, uh, the, the rabbit, uh, pilot and scoundrel in star wars has no place in star wars but in the meantime i'm like i love this giant green pig that was running around Chappa's palace it all kind of can work and it also also i think also connects uh, goes back to your childhood with what you see the first time in those early memories yeah no i mean there's so much uh, about the Gamorrean guard that is uh is is all about the pig relationship, right? Because yep. <laughs> uh, I remember back in the day, this is one of those kind of, you know, forgotten things that, you know, there were swans of fans who were really, really mad about Return of the Jedi. And one of the things that you would hear every once in a while uh, was they, because it was nowhere near as creative. It was just a, mm-hmm. the guards were just pigs. Come on, come up with an interesting <laughs> alien like an Athorian instead of just yeah. a pig. Uh, and I, I was never bothered by that. I always found them kind of like, scary and fascinating and also a little you know sympathetic because they, they look so badass and then they just you know get pushed yeah. around by luke and devoured by rancor yeah. <laughs> they don't do a great job at that whole guarding thing but they look terrifying yeah, yeah and, and and talking about costumes and character design and all those kind of things i mean i could you could totally tell the fun that was probably had in the creature shop putting together pig guards like what what is that mean what does that look what does that feel like and and i, I the, the memories of how that came to be i don't know if george said yeah, give me a pig guard or you know someone in the in the creature shop said what about this idea and it all kind of worked I, i'll have to check on the story but then but then to take that and then they're like what makes that work well we got uh you know some armor on the shoulders we got this uh you know this tunic we got the furry underpants like we got it all <laughs> there comes in the care and, and the sandals by the way one of the one of the forgotten details of the Gaborian Guard that I like, the comfortable footwear. Yeah, you know what? And, and this is what I'm really enjoying uh, about this conversation, Ken, is I think I have to accept that for me, when I think about Gaborian Guards, I think pig, 
I think green, mm-hmm. I think axe, and maybe if I'm lucky, I think horns. There's so much <laughs> to yeah. be first on your list when you think of a Gamorian guard that I don't know that I've really kind of turned an analytical eye ever to their outfits, right? Yeah. And there is a little bit of almost like a Roman gladiator vibe, I would say. Yeah. Like, which makes sense for 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 wrestling, right? Which is kind of an, an evolution of let's let's make you know yeah. uh, um, combat a form of entertainment, right? Yeah, tell stories through uh, through combat. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, but like with the sandals, those are real Roman esque. That uh, that armor mm-hmm. and uh, that style, that hat, uh, that hat, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you would call that, yeah. the half helmet. Um, it's yeah. really evocative. The shape is very similar to what uh, Time Lords wear on Gallifrey, <laughs> which is a weird vibe. Uh, but there is a little bit. But what connects it is, I think it is a shape that, for me, evokes ancient societies. Oh, yeah. that Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it pulls from, yeah, it absolutely pulls from it. And, and again, there, there comes the, the little details of designs that make things like this work, you know. Yeah, absolutely. George a, yeah, George wants a pig guard. All right, but how do we make that work? Okay, if it was sort of a Roman legionnaire that drooled a lot. <laughs> And it's green, green, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, big axe and uh, the other cool weapons. Um, so uh, to, to wrap up our conversation here, um, totally, totally understand that connection to giant haystacks. And I think it does uh, evoke, uh, even if the fur is in a different place, I can really see where that connection was made. And totally. very cool uh, to hear the story of that personal connection and, and the thrill of seeing the Gamorians actually in the ring. How are you feeling with a little bit of time past? Uh, you know, in general, people love Mandalorian, but that's one of the things I've seen bubbling of like Mandalorian season two is great. But can we talk about the Gamorreans? <laughs> yes. And how I, are you? How are you feeling? Are, are you pro uh, Mandalorian Gamorreans? I I'm pro the idea. Uh, and I know our pal and the, the man who makes all our, our wonderful theme songs here, Tony Thaxton, he's, he's been on this a lot, right? I think he's going to start <laughs> writing songs about this. And he should. I I absolutely find uh, it fine. It's fine. Like I said, I, if the adjustment for me is they're a little taller, a little thinner, and that might be what they're they're training for this specific fighting. I, I don't. I don't spend a lot of time. Uh, you know, I'm not up at night thinking about this, but they do stand out to me as slightly different. <laughs> they do stand out to me. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I, I think I kind of don't mind because I like a little bit of variety. You know, I like that. Yeah, they, they've got. Um, Different, uh, different uh, life choices. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe they come from a different part of their home planet. Who knows? Yeah, we yeah. got off-world Jawas. We got fighting Gamorians now. It's a little different. Yeah, and and this is something that I will, of course, bow to your experience as a uh, as a security guard. But it really does seem like the Gamorian guards at Jabba's palace are there mostly to intimidate. They are like bouncers at a bar where there's never a fight. <laughs> like I don't think they get to yeah. do much. Is the vibe I get. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely yeah that 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 works for me. They're they're I, I'd love to know their rank and file system. You know, their uh, train ten day training programs. I'd love to know how they organize. Is there are there captains of the guard? Like what's going on there? Like I, I actually hadn't really thought about that till now. Yeah, they are. They're not like um, an insurance need where a lot of on-site uh, security is just to tell the insurance company that you tried. Uh, <laughs> 
be honest. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to know. I, and and there, maybe there's a legends book called the, uh, the, you know, the morning shift and it's uh Gamorrean guards work in the morning shift at Jabba's palace. I don't know if there isn't, maybe we need to write it. I don't know, but that is fascinating. This is why I love the conversation through David's personal journey connection with this. You and I are now wondering about who's the shift supervisor at the Jabba's palace. Gamorrean guard. <laughs> I don't think the Gamorians have a good benefits package. Put it that no. way. I think no. if they get hurt on the job, that's on them. You know, yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think Jabba was making any payouts for the Gamorian who fell into the rancor pit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, I wonder. The no Gamorian guard uh, union uh, protecting from rancor death. Yeah, sadly, poor uh, Jubnuck, I believe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, great, great uh, entry here to discuss the outfits of the Gamorrean Guards, David. Thank you for uh, sharing this great memory and this great connection and leading us to some interesting thoughts uh, that will also cause us to probably have to uh, review Tales of Jabba's Palace and, <laughs> and see what's in there. Uh, but for now, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back uh, to share the rest of our favorite outfits in Star Wars. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of favorite outfits in Star Wars. We have two more great entries from our patrons on Patreon. We put the call out, and you gave us some great answers. Our next answer here is from Andrew Holmes. Andrew says, Hi, Force Center team. I could rave about capes all day and firmly believe every single Padme or Leia outfit belongs in the Star Wars Hall of Fame. However, the very first costume to pop for me was the Rebel Pilot flight suits. There's something so wonderful and bizarre about the bright orange. They're so real-worldly in terms of jet pilot suit, but then the bright orange with these cool, futuristic-looking packs makes it so wonderfully familiar, yet, dare I say, uh, from another galaxy far, far away. It's also a great example of costume design as a visual storyteller. In A New Hope, Mm. we have the muted beige-brown palettes of Tatooine, then a huge amount of white, gray, and black inside the Death Star. Then suddenly, when we meet the full rebellion, our heroes stand out in such stark contrast to the Empire in these bright orange jumpsuits. Talk about signposting the good guys. I remember instantly falling in love with these flyboys and gals the moment I saw them. Such a sudden standout. And hey, it would keep you safe jogging at night, too. I also love the unique (laughs) and individual helmet designs for each pilot that really helps tell their own story slash give them character. I also must give a quick mm. Star Wars ranked honorable mention to Poe Dameron's, yes, another flyboy, jacket in The Last Jedi. Basic, cool, mm. and simple brown leather, but I love the big, bold, classic red rebel insignia on the sleeve. In my memory, it's the first time we see an item of clothing so boldly bearing the symbol. I could be wrong, but it speaks uh, so much to how dedicated Poe is to the cause, which is all they, albeit flawed plans uh, show throughout the film, but it is also just a dang cool jacket. I mean, come on. We would all buy one of these if they were on the shelf, right? Uh, smiley face. Uh, I will kick off our conversation by saying I agree with your smiley face. Poe's jacket in Last Jedi 
might be one of my uh, my favorite outfits because of the bold simplicity. The cut is absolutely that cool Star Wars jacket cut. And I agree that Rebel Insignia is just a great, uh, like, uh, like Andrew is saying, just a great signposting of Poe is the guy who is so all in on the resistance mm-hmm. that it almost clouds his judgment because he's so committed. He's literally wearing it on his sleeve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and 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 Finn's got his old jacket, which maybe is uh, sans that bold uh, insignia, but a good just visual reference of of where we're going, where Finn is, and where Poe is at the time. I think that's a great way to look at it there. And yeah, we, a good simple jacket in Star Wars goes a long way. Yeah, there's something about Poe's jacket too that I, I, because he's a, a jacket guy, and we know from uh, some of the deleted scenes that uh, that he's handy with a sewing kit. He uh, patched up yep. the holes in, in his old jacket uh, for Finn. Uh, that there's a part of me that wonders, like, did Poe make these jackets as like a team thing? And like, hey, everybody, I think we should wear these jackets. <laughs> and he's that. the only one doing it. I love I have a buddy that makes T-shirts for any event. <laughs> We're going to go all go to lunch. I made T-shirts. Wood Ranch 2020. Like, let's do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, maybe he made them all for uh, the mutiny. Maybe those are the mutiny jackets. Uh, that doesn't work <laughs> timeline wise. That's a joke. Just a joke. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love that jacket. All right, Ken, let's get into the meat of this uh, great, great entry from Andrew. How do you feel about the pilot suits? Are they up there? Is is some of the best in Star Wars for you? This is a great, great entry, Andrew. This is a great pull because, yes, and they're so good and they're so great. They're so classic. They just almost fade in the background because you just feel they've always been there. They're just Awesome. They're the pilot costumes and you got your Kenner figure, you got your Luke, you got this. Uh, and, and the, but, the, but they're so just, they're just so part of the tapestry of star Wars. You don't, I don't think you stop much like you and I weren't stopping to think of the Gaborian guards footwear too much. You don't stop and really think about it until it's on screen or until it's in front of you or till you see someone new in it. Like when Poe Dameron, remember the first uh, force awakens like teaser where you got to see Poe in there and it was like, Ooh, like rebel pilot costume, a little brighter orange, a little different hue of it. But like, it's the same thing we know and love. And like, you had a, a reaction to that. And, and then uh, even when like blue squad general Merrick shows up and they're wearing blue because it's blue squad, it's still part of it. You're like, ah, and then a wings and Y wing pilots and return of the Jedi. But it all goes back to this design that just pops. And I think we need to at times stop and, and just pay our respects to the original pilot outfit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's so many things that Andrew says here that are just so uh, spot on, uh, similar to what we've been talking about earlier with uh, with Embo and Cad Bane in particular. I, I think Andrew's so right to highlight that it's wonderfully familiar, but then there's these exotic space things that make it feel like it's from a galaxy far, far away with all that just kind of the tu- again, the tubes, yeah. <laughs> the tubes. Who knew that one of the magic uh, things of Star Wars design is throw some tubes on there tubes. Uh, in the chest unit and uh, the uh, the lacing of things to legs or ankles. Right. I mean, that mm-hmm. is a real world thing, too. But it's just I think aesthetically there is uh, there's something about the uh, any sort of outfit that kind of looks like a uniform and then something else looks a little low slung, you know? But like with the way the the loops are on the leg, it's the same way I think that, you know, the blaster holster looks cooler when it's slung low on the leg. You know, yeah. uh, I don't know. For me, that comes from, you know, liking uh, classic rock guitarists and, and seeing like, wow, look at how low slung yeah. <laughs> Slash's guitar is right now. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, uh, I think there's definitely that aesthetic to it that is the mix of the old and the new that makes it pop. And Andrew's point about a big, big blast of color at this point in the film mm. is absolutely going to have an effect on the way you, you think about it, right? Even even if it's uh, it's either you know signposting the heroes, like Andrew says, which I totally agree with, but it's also just that like, what a just great visual way to kind of just uh, set up alarm like this is serious <laughs> they're wearing yeah. orange this is an alert color <laughs> I, yeah i was like i wouldn't i would never call new hope drab right but there's a lot of uh, a lot of sand tones we got a lot of we spent a lot of time on a desert planet uh the the dark sleek grays and and, and blacks and whites of the empire that yeah this just boom you turn the corner there's a room full of pilots and orange like yeah you're gonna remember that yeah and I mean, I think going back to like action figure days uh, for mm-hmm. people who were around for the original trilogy, it was also in some ways like the first alternate costume, right? Yeah. Um, because they didn't make action figures. Han just, the only change Han makes is he buttons his shirt for the medal ceremony, which I would have bought that in a kid if they made it one buttoned <laughs> Han mm-hmm. for medal ceremony. And we, in Luke's medal ceremony outfit is obviously there uh, and Leia's change for the medal ceremony. But for action figures... That was like one of the first, like, you want to have both looks, right? You want to have uh, Farm yeah. Boy and uh, Rebel Pilot, right? You gotta. <laughs> you gotta. You gotta. Yeah, gotta. So yeah. it's uh, such a great celebration of that. The other thing that I wanted to uh, to mention in Andrew's great uh, uh, entry here is there's so many different pockets of fun things to explore in Star Wars, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things that I have not explored a lot is the helmet designs. Is this yeah. a rabbit hole you've gone down, Ken? Really studying the different mm-hmm. helmet designs for the pilots? Yes, uh, yes. Over the over the years, uh, absolutely. Um, but it became a little bit easier, a little more accessible for me personally, with a lot of the the, the visual uh, dictionaries, encyclopedias, and whatnots being uh, dumped into the world since 2014 on. Right, and uh, so well, for some reason, what you know, what really made me focus on it was. Wanting to make sure I knew what helmet Ray had on, which is the the one I forget now the pilot's name because I'm not studying for a trivia contest, but uh, from the Tearfawn Yellow Aces, uh, we're, we're at the Battle of Jakku, and just wanting to know, okay, what does that actually mean? And then and then digging in and just you know Wedge and Biggs and you you can you know Luke has a pretty distinct helmet that's in its uh, uh, simplicity, I think. Uh, yeah, and it, it's really fun. Um, making a weird connection to sports, but like uh, catcher gear or uh, hockey goalie masks can be very personalized. And there's just something about that as both, not just a sportsman, but also like a collector <laughs> where you're like, Ooh, yeah. get the wedge. Let me get the Poe helmet and let me pay attention to it where you got tie fighter pilots, wonderful sleek design, but you know, not a lot of personality uh, on, on their helmets over there. So it really, it, yeah, it's something that in the last few years has popped for me more than it ever did growing up in the eighties. Yeah, no, this was just a moment for me of like, I've always appreciated it. I think I've always uh, appreciated that there is so much iconography on the helmets because, yeah, it, it, it is that contrast of, of diversity compared to the, um, the stormtroopers in the Empire. Uh, but then it's also just like it's one of those tip of the iceberg visual storytelling things of the first film of Star Wars of like, 
they all got a bunch of symbols on their helmets that probably mean different things inside the rebellion uh, to their culture. You know, is that mm. is that an alphabet or is that a you know a personal tag? Is that something they designed or is that something that somebody would see that on somebody's helmet and everybody would know? Yes, of course, I know what that means. <laughs> you know, right. in modern canon, it's like, oh, cool, that's uh, that's that uh, logo from your favorite Holonet show growing up. You know, yeah. who knows what all they are? So I always appreciated the diversity of designs, but I never have done like a deep dive just for fun myself really looking and really studying uh which design is which and mm. this entry and asking for people's favorite things this is why i love doing it because sometimes it, it points me at a part of star wars uh that is a fun rabbit hole that i haven't uh mm. taken the time to dive down that rabbit hole i you know what i and then maybe we'll do our uh star wars ranked favorite rebel helmets uh, favorite x-wing helmets down the line Ah oh, man, I would love that because I, as I was talking, is like, who's who's the checkerboard? Yep. Oh, it's big. I was like, is it yep. Bigs? Is Bigs the checkerboard? And like, yep, Bigs is the checkerboard. And I'm having so much fun uh, yeah. trying to multitask helmet research and speaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That that often these episodes are you and me uh, scrolling to not just jog our memory, but going into rebel. And this is why you know we get we rebroadcast stuff on YouTube, and people are always like, we have video. We really appreciate that. One day we'll put some more video content with our faces actually on it. We both have uh, some fun beards going right now, all right? But this is why we you, you just don't need to see us scrolling through X-Wing helmets. We'll, we'll just do a oh, show fuck. called Google with Ken and Joseph and we'll... <laughs> yeah, that'll never be it. Uh, well, one of the things I Googled while we're talking is this the, the, the beautiful simplicity of the X-Wing pilot costume uh, and, and how it just made an impact early on. Remember that thing? It, it went viral... Uh, maybe 2021 what year are we in i can't remember it's been maybe gone viral a couple times actually uh with that um thing that got tweeted out and someone said this is my friend tj uh wearing a costume she made for halloween 1977 she was 16 at the time and it's this young young woman that made the x-wing pilot costume essentially made luke's pilot costume um by just by hand by scratch by memory by just seeing the movie in theaters and how even then uh, and, 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 and even then it meant a lot. And, and she, th this picture I, I'm looking at right now, just, just the detail in 77 from memory, just this, this outfit, this pilot's costume just grabbed on uh, to her heart and so many fans from that point on. So this is a, we don't ever want to look, overlook the X-Wing pilot. No, no. And that photo, and if you're not familiar with that story, I'm looking at it right now, too. Just pull it up. It is so well done, and it is such a tribute to all the different uh, fandom uh, mm -hmm. that was awakened by that first film. And, and it is such a charming photo and story of imagining uh, TJ, uh, as it says in this uh, story, that she went to the movie a bunch of times, took notes with a flashlight, drew a bunch <laughs> of sketches, and put this together. Uh, that that kind of fun of exploration when you did not have a visual dictionary that came out the same day as the film. Yep. Yep. Great, great stuff. All right. Uh, we're almost done with this episode of Googling with Ken and Joseph, but first we have <laughs> one more entry that Ken is going to read. Douglas uh, Dubois says, sometimes I said that 100% right. I think Douglas even said, you said my name right, and then other times I just, I just dropped the ball and I'm just... I'm just the worst, Joseph. Uh, Douglas says, as a kid with my Kenner collection, the Empire Strikes Back figures had most of my favorite looks. Hoth Leia, 
Vespa Luke and Han. But if I were feeling really bold, I would love to be able to pull off the cape look while I'm out picking up some groceries. Uh, Cloud City Administrator. Uh, we have got, uh, oops, sorry, my, I just scrolled. See, I scrolled while, t- while reading. Cloud City Administrator Lando is one of one stylish gentleman, as is the solo version. You can never accuse Lando of not looking great in a cape. But I have to give it to Kira on Kessel. Of all the great looks Amelia Clark wears in Game of Thrones, it's this look that says, I'm stylish, but dangerous too. I mean, yes, I agree with that in in heart and theory too. Put her on top of a a dragon with some fire. She's very dangerous. But I love this entry, Douglas. Love this. Capes in Star Wars are just such a part of Star Wars, part of the history. They've done such a good job with Lando, just expanding his collection and cape desires. Uh, And this is a great one, Joseph, uh, focusing on Kira on Kessel. Yeah, no, the great, uh, great shout outs there. Last episode, we talked a lot about um, how Bespin Luke uh, can sometimes get overlooked in in our love of the jacket of Han, Hothleia. So we're right there with you, Douglas, on that one. Obviously, Lando uh, is one of the uh, absolute leaders in Star Wars fashion. Uh, I I empathize with uh, with Douglas kind of wishing that like, yeah, look, you can be bold and wear a cape, but you're going to get some looks. <laughs> and there's sometimes a longing for a world where like, what if we all just kind of caped all the time and it was no big deal, right? Uh, you could enjoy the cape without getting the weird looks or the conversations. Yeah. Uh, I I really empathize with that. But man, I was this this entry when I first read it just took me on a ride because I cool. Happy to talk about that. Cool. Happy to talk about Lando's capes. And like, and then it came to this. Kira. Oh, and this one. Kira, it's so great to see that um, whatever initial reactions to Solo were from uh, from fans about the actual quality of the film or for the uh, the box office, all that has really seemed to quiet it down into just fans really uh, a lot of fans really liking the film and a lot of fans really coalescing around the character of Kira. And I'm so happy about that because I absolutely uh, love Kira. And I think one of the really, really strong things about Kira is uh, the costume design supports everything that's going on in the script, everything that Amelia Clark is doing such a great job just bringing it in this film, mm-hmm. and that we go from that uh, look on Corellia, which we now know is the sort of, like, these are, I got these nice clothes on a job for the White Wormans, and I tried to keep them clean because this, is, this is the nicest I could look. And then she's got the, you know, amazing... Uh, I am both a dangerous gangster and a hostess, <laughs> yeah. uh, a host of this party look. Um, mm. Then the Vandor look is great, which is this kind of transition into I am I am running this operation, you yeah. know, a little bit closer to uh, Rogue and Scoundrel. And then this uh, the one that uh, that is being discussed here by Douglas, this absolutely great. I am in command pretending to be the administrative assistant to the vice admiral of, I will remember the rest of it later. Um, (laughs) That is, I I think out of all of her outfits, I agree with Douglas that that one is my favorite because Mm -hmm. it is so classic star Wars while also moving the needle forward. It is so about the Cape, but the Cape is also, it's not just a Cape. It is a combination of a, of cloak and Cape and chest armor almost it's got that great uh if people aren't googling like we are it's got that great almost like the shape of the clone armor that jedi wear of just over the over the shoulders in the sternum this black collar just that huge chunk of black is just so commanding and then like well hey if i have a 
huge chunk of black. What could be more commanding? A flood of red (laughs) of the cape flowing out. And it just really does. This cape says, do business with me or I can kill you. I can toss grenades at your blasters. (laughs) (laughs) I will stab you with your own keys. Yeah. Yeah, which is what was needed, and they do such a such a great job with with Kira. And this outfit featured in that in that trailer, right? And her walking out of the Falcon with um, some of the the smoke clearing on Kessel L three behind her, that that red cape. Uh, even especially when you didn't even know the context of the scene, you just knew the shot. That was immediately to me a real classic Star Wars shot. A re- it's a real classic Star Wars outfit, that magic ingredient that, that you and I talk about that sometimes you can put your finger on, sometimes you can in, in terms of like, how how's it working? How's it popping? This just immediately just worked for me. And and there was, uh, for me personally, maybe maybe because it is, uh, you know, my love of uh, Game of Thrones and Daenerys and everything and, and just the history of, uh, you know, Hothleia and, and Padme and all those kind of uh, different looks for a lot of our, our, our female lead characters in Star Wars. I had a little bit of high expectations of what, you know, what are you going to do with this character? How are these designs going to go? And and every one of the designs you described, Joseph, has great purpose, has great meaning, a great uh, uh, just uh, they, they fit into the story and the character so well. And I really think that's one of the things they did so well with Solo was the the looks of, of Kira. Yeah, absolutely. And the the her being really adaptable to situations, analytical, knows what's going on, knows, you know, what she needs to present in which situation to get what she wants, uh, all fits, you know, what the character is going through. Uh, my final thought on this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, putting my hopes out into the galaxy for some action figures of this look, uh, mm. because for Black Series, I think we just have Corellia. And then for three and three quarter, we have the Corellia look. And then we have the great Vandor look in the in the four pack for the three and three quarter. So I'm, I'm right. glad that we at least got that. But look, the galaxy needs <laughs> yeah. this Kira action figure. It really does. It really does. It's it's so good. And, and you don't even you know. Let's not forget, Amelia Clark's like five two five three in real life, right? And and you and, and she she looks six foot five coming out of there. And it's just everything about it is is power control and purpose for that character for that moment for what she's trying to do. I, I love everything about it. Big win, big win for the design team in Solo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, incredibly well done. Uh, a great action figure, and uh, I look forward to seeing it. And when that uh, action figure comes out, a great action figure possibility, I should say, I want them to have, like, the big, like, Kira, and then, you know, how they had come up with, like, sub-names for outfits. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. want it to just be, like, Kessel Raid. I want it to be Kira in disguise of blah 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 and then the whole big long list in tiny yes. tiny font that i can't even read yeah yeah, yeah. i would love that okay. <laughs> that would be great uh great thought douglas uh thanks for giving us a chance to uh go on about kira as i'm sure that it sounds like we'll be getting some chances to do maybe who knows we will see uh can any final thoughts on our uh, episodes about star wars outfits Ah, it's just been a lot of fun, this two-part episode. We love doing the, from a certain point of view stuff. I uh, love that you put it together, Joseph, and, and uh, collect uh, our, our listeners' uh, great thoughts. But we'd love putting the spotlight on on what they, uh, you out there listening to Force Center, what you love, what you connect to, and uh, and, and and that's always fun. But then it, it connects to us, or you get a new area to focus on. Gamorrean footwear, X-Wing uh, helmets. It's uh, it, it, We've been watching Star Wars and reading Star Wars a long time, you and I, Joseph, and there's still hmm. little areas we love to explore. And a lot of that is now comes from uh, your perspectives listening. 
That's right. I can't wait to dive into Gamorrean footwear and rebel <laughs> helmets. Uh, if I'm not careful, that's going to be my whole day after we finish recording. Uh, so thank you all. I'll be putting out some more calls for favorite points of view in the future. Uh, as Ken just said, this is just a, a great way for us to hear what everybody thinks, to celebrate some different points of view, and to uh, and to get some new inspirations for ourselves. Uh, but for now, Ken, where can people find you on your other adventures? My other adventures are out there at KenNapsock.com or at KenNapsock on Instagram and Twitter. Coming up, if you're in the Seattle area on July 24th, doing comedy with Mark Ellis as our headliner and Daniel Bridge Gad uh, heading up there with us as well. So uh, if uh, you're there, go get tickets at Mark Ellis's website uh, and uh, also follow me over the GPA at the GPA.fun. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed, my comedy albums, future live shows, all on josephscrimshaw.com. You can also like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And of course, you can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, thanks to everybody who is a, a currently a patron on Patreon. That's where all of these great points of view came from. Came from. Thank you so much for supporting us. And thank you for so much for taking the time to share your point of view. Thank you all for listening. And as Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, Another happy land. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 